Hey, what's going on, my friends? How are we doing? I know it's been a little bit. I miss you guys. I hope you miss me too. I gotta tell you guys, I'm so excited to record this episode because I feel like I'm commenting on history right now. I have never seen such a wide-scale protest in my life. And to see people uniting over this factor of Black Lives Matter and to end police brutality and bring police reform, I think it's beautiful. Because in one hand, it's bringing upon change that we need. And in the other hand, it's showing us that we have the power to make change. And I wrote a poem about a year ago called Skyscrapers that applies beautifully to what's going on, this moment of history right now. And I've been sitting on it, waiting to use it, waiting to find the right conversation to input this poem into. And I'm so happy that I found it. I hope that this message resonates with you guys. Because in this moment, things are changing. So I'm going to go ahead and jump right in. This one's called Skyscrapers. I hope you guys enjoy. So busy scraping the sky, they forget about the streets. A handful of shepherds and seven billion sheep lounge in the heavens while we struggle to eat. A new breed of slaves, our lives theirs to keep. Masters of deception, blanket our eyes with sheets. But one day we will see, and on that lovely day, shepherds will scrape the streets. Now I wrote this poem with my back in the grass, looking up at the sky and seeing the skyscrapers cut through the Hartford skyline. Of course, if you're familiar with Hartford, Connecticut, they aren't really skyscrapers. You know, they're definitely not skyscrapers, but they're tall buildings that I took this theme from. And what those tall buildings represented to me as my back was laying down on the ground, as low, as low as it can possibly be. They represented to me the people in power, the systems of power. And laying there in the grass, I imagine that that's where the shepherds live. They live with their head in the clouds, lounging in the heavens, pulling strings, filling their stomachs, filling their bank accounts. But never do these shepherds look down at the streets, thinking, how can we give back? No, that's, that's not how it works. They think, how can we control? How can we control these people in order to keep this system going and benefiting us shepherds? And their biggest fear is the sheep, the seven billion of us, realizing that we truly hold the power. Realizing that we... If we want to, we can tear down those skyscrapers and make shepherds scrape the street along with us. That is their biggest fear. And I think their biggest fear is finally coming to realization. This past month has shown me and has inspired me that the people have power. I've been living my life up to this point knowing this. I understood that, yes, the majority, the majority of, majority of us, the seven billion sheep, we truly hold all the power. But I've never seen it in action. You know, I've never seen a unified voice coming together to bring change. I haven't seen it till right now. And that's why I feel like we're all living through history right now, because we are realizing right now our true power. We are realizing that the systems that are in place, that seem like they have been in place forever, 
who we all have our quarrels with, who we all think are wrong and fucked up, that we always thought we could never change. We can change them. We can do it if we all go ahead and spread our voice. And I think that social media is a gift to society. It does come with many downfalls. You go back to my first podcast episode. I understand it comes with many downfalls. But I think what is making the difference now between the protests of the past and the protests of today is social media. They can't, they can't stop us. They can't stop us from getting our voice out there. Back in the day, there was only so many things you can do. The newspapers and the news channels, they're going to do what makes them money. So back in the day, what are you going to do? Go tell your neighbors, tell your friends, print your own newspaper, pass it around the neighborhood, extra, extra, read all about it? Nah, I mean, yeah, you could do that, but how many people are going to do that? It's much easier to just go online, click an app, spread your opinion, see what everybody else is talking about, gain information, learn something new, and add, add to the fight. I just think that it's amazing in a matter of hours, a movement can be put together. All it takes is one tweet, one video, one ember to spark a blazing wildfire. And that right there, that's how we get our power to come together. That's how we consolidate our power. If we unify under one voice and one message and truly figure out what we want, and we cause enough disruption to the system, the system is going to change. It's going gonna, it's gonna to mold to a different shape and form. It's going to change to what we want and what we need. Because it has to. Because at the end of the day, civil unrest is, is no bueno. And you know why it's no bueno? It's because money talks and bullshit walks. So if this civil unrest is hurting the shepherd's pockets, and that's where we need to aim our efforts, then things are going to change. Because we got to understand the corporatocracy that we live in. It's all about the bottom line. It's all about making the shareholders happy. So none of these corporations give one fuck about the Black Lives Matter movement. They don't give one fuck. This is the way they look at it. If they don't show support, they're going to lose 10% of profits. If they do so sh show some support, they're not going to lose any profit. That's the reason why they support it. And that's the reason why you see Starbucks, you know, propping up the message Black Lives Matter, but they won't let any employees wear anything that supports the movement. But you can wear LGBTQ shit in Starbucks because they say Starbucks, they, they made the stand that they don't want to be political, right? But you can show your support for LGBTQ, but you can't show your support for black lives. You know, it's, they're just picking and choosing what makes them the most money. And that's what every corporation is doing. Again, all these fucking emails saying, oh, I hope you're okay during these rough times. They don't give a fuck. Okay. They're sending that email. So you see the, the logo at the top. Chevron sending me an email. You know what I'm saying? CVS sent me an email. That's what matters, bro. They don't give one fuck. And that's why I think social media is so important. Because so much of my information that I gain is from social media. That, that little thing that I just said about Starbucks. I saw that on social media. And it makes 100% sense to me. Like I, I, Because I just know it's a facade. They're showing support because they feel like they have to. In order to keep shareholders happy and profits up. And I get it. That's how the system works. And we got to use that to our advantage. And another beautiful thing about social media. And the smartphone. Is that that blanket. The sheets that cover our eyes. Is now removed. 
We can now see. And that's why we're tearing these skyscrapers down. And I got to be honest, I don't think if there was a video of George Floyd and the video of Ahmad, I don't think that this movement would be happening right now. I really don't think so. Because it's easy to cover up what you cannot see. It's easy to deploy articles and this and that and try to put smoke in the air. But when you see Ahmad being hunted down in a truck, when you see George Floyd screaming, begging for his life, you can't unsee that and you can't deny the facts. And that right there is the power of social media. This movement would simply not be happening and I really don't think it would. Yes, Black Lives Matter was a movement beforehand, but the amount of steam that we have behind it right now is, 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 is crazy, okay? It's unprecedented. And without that video, without those videos, we wouldn't be here right now, and I can honestly say that. So these sheets are being removed. Now we see. Now we got cameras on our pockets, you know what I'm saying? And even though this movement is really just picking up steam. So much change is being brought to the table already, and I'm so proud of that, and I'm so happy to see it, and it inspires me. This all tells me that my voice is not meaningless. Your voice is not meaningless. When we come together, it brings about change. And before we get into the impact that the Black Lives Matter movement has had so far, I want to say one thing. Not every change and not every reform is great. But how will we know that if we've never changed? Okay, so some things, yes, some things I don't agree with. But is it worth a try? Yes, you can always go back to the way it was before. We're so afraid of change because we act like it's permanent. If you defund the police and it's not working, what can you do? You give them back the fucking funding, okay? It's, it's not the end of the world. But we can never know what works and what doesn't work if we don't take the risk and take the change. So I think it just takes a little bit of open-mindedness. And I'm going to tell you my opinions right now on what happened. I mean, first off, first impact that we made, justice has been served. The four officers in, in, the, in the incident were arrested. And I got to tell you, two of those four officers were rookies. One of them was on this fourth day of the job. And I got to tell you, do I think justice was served to those two gentlemen who were rookies? I'm not sure. Because I think of myself in those shoes. It's my fourth day on the job. We're on this call. My superior has his knee on another man. I don't know if this is normal. Of course, of course it's not normal. Of course he's killing this man. But do we have any understanding of their situation? You know, I don't know if it's my fourth day on the job. If I'm going to speak up, I don't know. Of course it's wrong. But do I deserve prison time? I'm not sure. But I want to take back my statement about being not sure about justice being served. Because at the end of the day, justice is going to be served. Because these men are going to have to answer for the decisions that they have made. And that's what's most important. They're going to stand in a courtroom before a jury and answer for what they did. And that's what's most important. So yeah, I think justice has been served. And I think the court is going to decide whether or not those two rookies are going to have to go to prison. 
But again, this is just showing the impact that this movement has had. We asked for the four officers to be arrested and to answer for their actions. That's exactly what's happening. Not only that, the list goes on. Listen to this. This one's, this one's very interesting. Minneapolis City Council members announced a commitment to disband the Minneapolis Police Department. This was announced on June 7th by a veto-proof majority. You know what that means, veto-proof. That means that this is going to happen. The president of the city council announced that the incremental changes that they've been trying to make to the police department just simply haven't been working. So now they're going to make this radical change and see what happens. And I think it's interesting. I mean, maybe I'm not for disbanding the police because I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. But for one city to do it and see what happens, I think it's interesting. And I'm looking forward to the learnings that they make because they got to be doing some research and maybe, who knows, we can apply that, those learnings to every other police department in the country. And that change can be beneficial. But like I said earlier, we will never know if we never try it. And look what's going on in New York. The mayor, Bill de Blasio, pledged to cut funding to the New York Police Department and allocate the funding to youth and social services. And I think that's an awesome change. It's not only New York doing it. I'm reading right now in L.A. they're trying it. The departments across the country are trying it. And I think this makes so much sense. Because we all grew up in our school systems hearing about budget cuts every year and everything that they're taking away from students, bro. From fucking students. Art class, photography class, music. Taking that shit away. But we can fund riot gear and police and all this shit and increase the funding. In L.A., this is sick, because in L.A., they were planning to increase the budget this year by $120 million. Now they plan to decrease it by $150 million. In total, that's $270 million that the city of L.A. is saving. And hopefully they'll allocate those funds somewhere where it's more useful. And I've been seeing so many comparisons to our police force with Scandinavian police forces, Scandinavian countries, Norway, Finland... Sweden, I, and I want to tell you one thing that, that, that I think I understand. In these Scandinavian countries, the reason why their lack of police force works is because there's so little crime. And the reason why there's so little crime is because they have great social services. You have access to beautiful health care. You have access to a great education and you, you, you don't need to rob and steal and kill people. You simply don't need to. Their crime rate is so low. Have you ever, they, are literally, they are literally turning their prisons into office spaces. They can't fill their prisons up. Unlike here where the goal is to achieve maximum capacity. Arrest as many people as you can. And if we go ahead and defund the police. And allocate those funds to the right place then that's going to cause us to have less crime and to need less police. People commit crime because they don't have what they need. Like We're not talking about bank robbers here. We're talking about prisons filled with petty crime. Stealing fucking candy bars. Okay? That's what's going on here. That's what our prisons are filled with people selling a fucking dime. It's sad, man. It's, it's, it's really fucking sad. And I hope this awareness that we're bringing to these issues is, is going to make the change that we need. 
And I think it is. They're incremental changes, but over time, they're going to make a huge difference. For example, Bill de Blasio again, along with Governor Andrew Cuomo, they both announced their support for reforming state law section 50A. And what the law section 50A is, it's a law that makes disciplinary reports private for police. Now this, this I don't understand. How can citizens be held to a higher standard than the police made to protect them? Right? Like if you're a citizen and you commit a crime, that shit goes on your record. The fucking town newspaper displays it for everybody to see. Everybody knows you're a fuck up, right? But if you're a police officer, the person who's supposed to be protecting everybody and acting in order of the law and enforcing the law, when you commit a crime, nobody knows about it. Nobody knows about it. There's a literally a law saying that it's private. Why is that? That's because they know exactly what the fuck is going on, man. They know how many dirty, fucked up cops are out there. They know. And they got to keep it under wraps. That's why I think this law is awesome. If we repeal that shit, that's going to be great. It's going to be great in the long run because we'll be able to eliminate the police force of all those bad apples. Or as many as we can. And not only would I like to see this law changed and reformed. I would like to see a law that makes every single police officer wear a body cam. Like I said earlier, footage can't lie, bro. Footage doesn't lie. You can't cover that shit up. So when something happens, we demand a video. And we got to get it and figure out exactly what happened so they can't cover shit up anymore. And if these things, these all these changes and this movement doesn't excite you, I don't know what's good with you, bro. I really don't know what's good with you. Because to me, this is inspiring. To see this change. In three weeks. I just listed half of the list. Because I don't want to put you guys to sleep. But did you not hear those things that we just went through? Defunding the police. Changing laws. Reforming police departments. That doesn't excite you? This change man. This change is coming like a wave. And this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. It has only been three weeks. These things take time. We got to keep our foot on the gas pedal. And it's not only for the BLM movement. We are seeing what happens when we unite under a common goal and all share our voice and hurt pockets. We're seeing the change that happens. And I hope that we can apply the same idea and the same motivation and the same effort to anything else that we want to change. My reason for creating this podcast today was to tell you that your voice matters. Your voice can create change. And I showed you how it can do that. And don't be afraid to share your voice. Don't be afraid to amplify your voice. Because your voice can inspire somebody else who was afraid to speak up before. And then that just piles on top of another. And it snowballs and it snowballs. And that's how we get a movement. And that's how we create change. We have all the power in the world. I'm excited to see this movement keep going and the fight keep going. And I'm excited to see what we choose to attack next. Your voice is powerful and your opinion matters and you can make change. I love you guys. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you later.